Conserving the history and legacy of Shackleton, Scott, and Hillary in one of the world's harshest environments takes perseverance, experience, and innovation. So why not donate to the Antarctic Heritage Trust, where you can help conserve their legacy and create opportunities for young people to connect with and be inspired by the qualities of these heroic Antarctic leaders. You can find a link to the Antarctic Heritage Trust donation page within the body of this podcast. This is a Drama Merchant audio production. The Drama Merchant offers you the Radio Play Hour. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Radio Play Hour, a program that recreates old-time radio dramas along with new work. I am your host, the Drama Merchant, and this is a preview of The Fire on the Snow, written by Douglas Stewart. This recreation of Douglas Stewart's verse radio play, which was first broadcast on the 6th of June 1941 by the Australian Broadcasting Company, features vocal talent from the local Gold Coast theatre scene. It's based on the ill-fated Terra Nova expedition to Antarctica. This verse play tells the story of the final push to reach the South Pole by Robert Falcon Scott, Edward Adrian Wilson, Lawrence Oates, Henry Robinson Bowers and Edgar Evans. They march to the South Pole with dogs, ponies and motor sleds for transporting supplies beginning at Camp Evans on November 1st, 1911. What you are about to hear is the first episode, which opens at the point when Scott, Wilson, Bowers, Evans and Oates are about to leave the last supporting party on the 4th of January, 1912, before setting out on the final dash to the Pole. The Antarctic wind speaks first. to break into the conversation with a word that tastes like snow to say I am to interrupt the contemplation of the familiar headlines of the day horses, divorces, politics, murders with a word cold to hear or look at colder to speak these are my orders and who am I to deny or question A voice that says to speak of ice and to speak of death. I have made the suggestion that a free man should have his choice, that the pole keep its cold and the dead stay dead. I have no wish to bring to supper the blizzard to sing, the dead to be fed. But the reply comes. The world is spun between two giant hands of ice. And on any peak of living one from hardest hours, the blizzards hiss. And the reward set for the blindest faith in the fixed needle directing us is to reach the pole. And the pole is death. I'd say what I have to say. Death. The word that drops in the room like rain, making the live coals gasp for breath, and blackening slowly among the brain when a man is sitting up late, alone, 
I say what I have to. Death in the south, flesh that is snow, ice that was bone. I see what I have to see. Scott, Oates, Evans, Wilson, Bowers, whose bodies lie too cold to rot, where the aurora leaps and towers, colouring the Antarctic sky with terror, like their own memorial marbles, like their own reflections trapped in a mirror. My instructor summoning the dead men's voices and the sight of their undecaying bodies does not pretend that here he rejoices or has much comfort to bring to the ladies. He says, let the dead men tell what they, tell know. What they know. Let them come to us now, these five men struggling like dark, tough flames on the snow. Better say goodbye. As soon as the others come up, we'll get it over. It's cruel to have to send them home. I wish we were all going on together to the pole. It seems unfair. I know, but it had to be done. I had to make a choice. They may be lucky. It's not a Sunday school picnic for the march we're going. Goodbye. goodbye to England first. Goodbye to New Zealand. I thought that was saying goodbye to the world when we swung away from the wharf and lost the faces and the gulls went home. I felt lonely that first night. But there's never an end of saying goodbye to people and to places you've come to like. Goodbye to the ship. Goodbye to the hut. <laughs> it was snug there in the winter. Goodbye to the poor ponies, Atkinson and Cherry. What a long way it's been. And now the last of it. I said goodbye to my wife. Think of my ponies, but we'll be meeting them again on the way back, or what's left of them, and I suppose I'll be just as glad to eat them then as I ever was to feed them. This is goodbye. Crean, Lashley, Teddy. You three are for home now. I'm sorry to lose you, and I've put this moment off for as long as I could, because I know you hate to have to turn back, and because we hate to lose you. But the time has come. You've a weary way to go and it isn't fair to hold you back. We'll make the pole all right and win home too. But whether we do or not, I want you to remember this parting on the ice. Tell people we were fit, confident, happy, and proud to be where we are, miles up the glacier, and proud to be going on. Goodbye, Teddy. Goodbye, Crean and Lashley. Good luck. The best of it. I'm glad to think of you guys marching back to safety. In the beginning was the word. Before the word was silence. Man was born of a word and he dies back to silence. It is quiet in the white south. Life is a word. A shout. The aeroplane roars in the sky. Factories crash and clash. The traffic thunders by. It, it is, is quieter, quieter in, in the, the south. south. Radio hides the boards creaking and the clocks ticking and our words fall upon words. 
There is always someone speaking. But here, words fall on the snow. In the loneliest green place, bird calls to bird. The cricket chirps in the grass. The rustling leaf is a word. It is quieter in the south. The living thing is the word, and the thing dead is silence. These men of their own accord move away into silence. Their, their skis soft on, on the, the snow. snow. They're still watching us. No, I believe they're moving. I can't tell which is which at this distance. I suppose we look the same to them. Not human, just something dark moving across the snow. If I had a gun and this was another country, I believe I'd want to stalk them. They might be bears or wolves. It's wrong that the only human beings on this empty plain should be going opposite ways. As if we'd had a quarrel. The confused farewells over, the words whirling, lost over the ice like starlings in a dusk bright with frost. The five men in harness, the groups drawing apart, the heavy sledge moving, the step light and the heart. Cut off from all that moves except the Antarctic wind. Cut off from all that speaks, but not from the song in the mind. They march and they exult in the white shine of the sun. For the past is lost to starlings, and the proud future's begun. We're a long way from England now. At last, I can start to think clearly, free from encumbrances. There's the five of us, and these miles of ice and the pole. A simple matter of a journey. Worrying's over. Planning's over, there's nothing now to do but march. They've even given us sunshine. I wish they'd give us a surface. This is like trying to march on top of a glass house. Birdie amazes me, plodding along without skis. It looks like a cow in a bog. I feel like one. You'll hear me bellowing soon. Lost your calf? Oh, the wind's cold. It's a good job. Here's the sun. Well, we can't rely on that forever. But it gives us a flying start, and I haven't a doubt that we shall make it. I wish the sledge would decide to take up aviation. It wants to crawl to the pole. This is a wide land, and all this land is white. In the kind places of the world, we have seen the wind comb in the green hair of the grass and the golden tresses of wheat. But this is a dead woman. Indeed, the five have come to a country never to be talked of in any image of life, lacking even a tree to brandish its bare fist or claw at the wintry sky for the hard reward of the leaf. We have seen life stake its claim of tussocks and hold fast in uplands bleak enough but this is abandoned ground, lichens rejected, moss. What monstrous crop will grow when five madmen hauling the sledge behind them 
grind through 13 frozen days, ploughing the wastes of snow. The surface breaking like glass, the snow slowing the sledge like waves of white iron. The wind like a wall of ice that has to be forced, broken for every inch of the way. The sledge heavy to haul, the limbs aching, the sweat freezing on bearded faces. Hour weighing on hour, time piling like snow until their hearts are buried. Till mind is dulled to stone and body is creaking wood with a sap of ice in the veins. And yet their lives are simple. They forget most of the time that life was ever different. And each day's march is a matter of mere routine, like going to work at the office. I see them hauling, grimly, not talking much, then making camp. Evans, the giant worker, has cut his hand, but still attends to the sledges, pitches the tent, the, the strongest, strongest man of the party. Now that we're so close, I confess, I feel uneasy. Can you believe it, Wilson? In two more marches, the pole is ours. I never believed it possible. I've waited, thinking that something must go wrong, but tonight I could shout and sing. Nothing's gone wrong. It's certain that we shall make it. It begins to be exciting. I wish we were there. The only thing is, Amundsen. Won't it be nice to get to the pole and find that Norwegian bastard has found a track through his whiskers and beaten us to it? Yeah, that's what I reckon, blasting. Oh, forget it. What does it matter which of us gets there first? Now, let's see that hand of yours, Evans. That's more important than troubling yourself about who is first at the pole, <laughs> as if we were schoolboys. There's honour and glory enough, if that's what you want, in marching as far as this. It's not about honour and glory. It's a private thing. It would make it worthwhile for me, privately, personally, to be first at the pole. I suppose we all feel the same. We want to do it because we set out to do it, and by God, we will. But it's no use cursing the Norskis. They're entitled to their ambition the same as we are. If the worst comes to the worst, we'll have to bear it. It's no use whining. The very thought of a race spoils it for me. It's vulgar, and not what I'd hoped for. It must be that that made me feel uneasy. The feeling that now, when our hands are on success, a Munson might snatch it from us. We've planned so carefully, endured so much, that surely nothing can go wrong now. The talk wavers. The last red words freeze in the sky of silence. They sleep. One stirs with a small sound like a bird's solitary cry or a cricket's cheep. And then the tent is quiet again. The whole white land is quiet again. It's fine to be marching. Strange that human courage should droop at night like the flowers and green things. As if we were quite at the mercy of natural forces. 
I remember the blackbirds when it was dusk in the country. The last songs and then the twittering, then silence. Dusk and sleep were a law that they never queried. It'd be less unnerving if night meant darkness here. One could be sad. But last night was desperate. There's no relief if you can't go down in the dark. I wonder how different we are from normal men. This terrible cold could change a man's whole nature, and perhaps it has. Perhaps we've all gone mad and none of us knows. No one is sane to know. It's a pleasing speculation. Seriously, though, I saw last winter how the climate changed us. We hardly spoke once that long silver twilight had really begun to permeate our bodies. You mean to say we're balmy? Well, of course you are. And so am I. Hauling a sledge to the pole when I might be home where there's food and fires and women. You can certify me, Potty. My God! What is it? I'm crazy too. My eyes are playing tricks. I, I thought for a moment I saw a cairn ahead. What's that? A cairn? Oh, only a sestrugi. You sure? I had a feeling Amundsen would beat us to it. I can't see anything. Look there. I can see it still. But it's only a sestrugi. I'm sorry. I feel like a criminal startling you all like that. I can't see anything either. Look carefully, Bowers. If this is Amundsen... It's so confusing. All these waves of snow. I wish the light were clearer, but it's not a cairn. Cairn or no cairn, the Norskis will beat us. I believe I I can see it. A, a cairn. I, I, I can see it. What do we do if it is? You can't see anything. It's not a cairn, and if it is, it doesn't matter. It's nothing. I, I shouldn't have spoken. I apologise. The wind's heaped up the snow a bit more than usual. That's all it can be. Let's march. And haul, men, haul. Whatever it is, we'll find out soon enough. And if it is the worst, I want to get it over. Now you shall know the truth, no matter how bleak, how black. If the white track leads to death, heroes will not turn back. It is better to climb the ridge and stare on chasms of air or stroke from the sea cliff's edge the sea's dark, strangling hair, than to run like a rat for cover when truth comes storming by, better than huddling over the sinking coals of a lie. To climb to the barren peak where the shape of truth must show, and no man, strong or weak, can hide his head in the snow. There's something there I can see. I have to tell you, there's something black on the snow. What do you mean? What's black on the snow? What can you see? Just something black, that's all. A speck that's black. A speck be damned. You've got the wind up, birdie. You've got a speck in your eye. That's the trouble. And the speck is Amundsen. Damn it, Oates. Do you think I'm trying to fool you? Do, do you think I'd be likely to speak if I wasn't certain? Oh, steady, birdie. Sorry. This isn't a time to quarrel. I'm sorry. 
I tell you all now, and it's not so easy, that I wouldn't like to tear my eyes out and chuck them down at your feet. There's something black. Away ahead, to the right. Well, I don't see it. Look hard. I'm looking. All I can see is the bloody snow. Mm, bloody's the word. Bloody with ponies killed. Bloody with the waste and cheapening of all we've done. Yes. I can see it. Oh, and I don't like the look of it. Couldn't it be a rock? There aren't any rocks. Then a bird or something. There aren't any birds, curse you. I'm afraid it looks like a flag. Yes. It's a flag. Oh, blast the luck. And blast the Norwegians. Damn them. What if they're still about? How weird would it be? A miracle, really, to meet them here at the Pole. It's exciting enough to think that other men have fought as we have, right to the end of the world. Can you imagine meeting other human beings on this lonely, terrible, endless desert of ice? I'd like to bash their heads in. The black flag of pirates. And they are pirates, by God. They'll be gone by now. The tracks are old. They're gone. There won't be any meeting to please the historians. Stanley and Livingston, Scott and Emerson, they're gone. They and their dogs, we'll only see their tracks. You'll see their mark at the pole, there's nothing surer. I suppose we'll have to go on, but what's the use? What the hell's the use of the whole expedition now? Of course we're going on. We'll see it through. I'm sorry I led you all this way for nothing. It's not your fault. We all came of our own accord. You mustn't blame yourself, whatever happens. I blame myself for everything that happens. I am the leader. I take the responsibility. And I'm grateful. More grateful than I can say. You don't turn on me like wolves for what I've done. It's a place to make wolves of any men but you. A place for disappointment. A place for despair. A place for hatred and human blood on the ice. Just to make it human. Merely to labour here was enough to make wild beasts of us. Without this flag flapping around like a black crow waiting for the end. Mocking our disaster. Amundsen must have found an easy track. It's a long way home for us. A long way. 800 miles. A long way. Amundsen must have beaten us, but no one in the world's done such a march as we have. No one, unless we'd done it, would believe that such a march was possible, that the human body could endure so much cold and physical hardship. Staring at the snow for weeks and still not blind, hearing the ghastly silence and still not deaf, forgetting speech, yet able to talk now. I like to think of the lights of Piccadilly and how in the smoky park among the oaks all London suddenly breaks on you like thunder. Oh, my hands are cold. Bad? Like lumps of stone. There's the Norwegian's tent. They must have slept here. I'll bet they had a pleasanter night than we did. I thought I'd never get to sleep last night. The Norskis were on my brain. Look, there's a note. Amundsen, Bjarnland, Hansen, Hessel, Wisting. Five signatures. Amundsen's left a note he wants me to send to Norway, to King Harkon. 
the Polar Postman. It won't be express delivery. We'd better leave a note to show that we've been here, though no one will ever read it. It may be centuries before any of the madman try dare this journey and writes his name on a note at the end of the world. Let's get on. It's not far now, but th this is the pole. This is the pole, as near as I can fix it. All right then, Birdie, get the camera ready. Evans, the flag. This is the pole at last. The end of the journey. And all for nothing. For nothing. Now we're here, we're nowhere. It looks like nowhere. So still and forsaken. It must be a nightmare in winter. I've dreamed of this moment for many, many years, but the dream was different. No footprints scarring the snow. No mark of men. Yep, this is still the moment when my life reached the peak I chose to climb and I'm happy. However you feel about it, we've reached the pole. It's something. I won't be robbed of it. I won't be robbed of achievement. And it's not what I wanted. There should have been something to mark this day and this place with a, a tower or a, or a beacon. It should have been like that night I saw the moon come up from the shoulder of Erebus and set the snow on fire. This grey cold and the mark of the Norwegians. Let them have it. We're here as we plan to be. Our flag is flapping and theirs can keep it company. The job is finished. We're due for warmth and sleep, and it's 800 miles before we're home. We'll never get there. Of course we will. We must. We will if we don't lose heart. The will to triumph brought us on this dreadful journey, and the will to live must see us home again. The Radio Play Hour has presented to you the first episode of The Fire on the Snow. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to listen to the remaining episodes, go to www.thedramamerchant.com.au, click on the Audio Theatre tab and look for Fire on the Snow. While you're at it, leave a review on the Drama Merchant Facebook page or the post which features this episode. I always like to hear constructive feedback. To know more about the Terra Nova expedition, visit the Antarctic Heritage Trust. There you will find information about Antarctic explorers and the Ross Sea Heritage Restoration Project. You can find a link to their website on the Fire on the Snow webpage and in the body of this podcast. If you live in Sydney, New South Wales, or plan on visiting between May 23rd and June 17th, 2023, then you should visit the Sydney Theatre Company's website and purchase tickets to see Do Not Go Gentle. This show also follows Robert Scott's heroic attempt to reach the South Pole. Written by Patricia Cornelius, she brings her unflinching honesty to bear on this moving exploration of human frailty at the ends of the earth. I'm hoping to see this show myself, but you can also find the link to the Sydney Theatre Company in the body of this podcast. Remember to subscribe to The Drama Merchant for free to receive emails, have access to blogs, and be updated to future radio plays and audio stories. Goodbye for now. This is a Drama Merchant audio production.